Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. Hallo, ich bin Ihre Gastgeberin Ries Hendrik und willkommen zu dieser spannenden Episode von Science Factual. Okay, that's enough German out of me. Besides, I watched today's topic with subtitles, so I'm not even going to front, Eastern, Western, or otherwise. Hi there, I'm your host Ries Hendrik and you're listening to Science Factual, the show that gets into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. Today we're dipping a toe into the dark Netflix series from director Baran Bo Odar, and I say dipping a toe because this series is th-th-thick, and also comes as a suggestion from today's guest Matt Franco. We met up before the Tap That showcase on Saturday night at Growler's Tap Room on 82nd to discuss this head trip of a show before catching some of the funniest comedians Portland has to offer and hitting the mic after the showcase, hosted by Ben Levy, who I covered Blade Runner with for episode 6. You're also going to get to hear a set from Matt at the end of the episode, so definitely make sure to stick around for that as well. Before we get too far into things, you know I have to issue out a... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Especially since this series wrapped in 2020, and not everyone has a Netflix account, or at least their own. So if you have any designs on tackling the monster that is dark, this might be a good time to pause this and come back in another time. But no promises in being able to clarify anything too much, because... I'm definitely going to have to re-watch this very intricate story. Now, in my best attempt, I will try to provide you with a succinct plot summary in order to either entice you into watching, clarify conjecture, or just otherwise further confuse you into a rewatch. Children start vanishing from the German town of Winden, bringing to light the fractured relationships, doubled lives, and the dark past of four families living there, and unfurling a mystery that spans four generations. The first season begins in 2019, but later grows to include 1986 and 1953 via time travel, when members of the show's central families become aware of a wormhole in the cave system beneath the local nuclear power plant. During the first season, secrets are revealed concerning the Conwald, Nielsen, Doppler, and Tiedemann families, and their lives begin crumbling as their ties are exposed. The conspiracy involves the missing children and the history of the town and its citizens. The second season continues the intertwining family's attempts to reunite with their missing loved ones several months after the first season finale in 2020, 1987, and 1954 respectively per timeline. Additional storylines are set in 2053 and in 1921. The second season introduces Sigmundus Creatus Est, a major faction in the ongoing battle for the ultimate fate of the people of Winden and the world. The season counts down toward the apocalypse that transpires throughout the season. The third season follows the four families across time in the wake of the apocalypse in 2020, and introduces a parallel world tethered to the first. The third season continues the 1954, 1987, 2020, and 2053 storylines in the first world while also adding a new 1888 storyline and 2009 and 2052 in the second world as the factions further their own desires for each world. 
The season also showcases the main events between all of these years, continuing the events of the season while also serving as backstory for the events of the first two seasons. That is an incredibly top-down overview of the events that take place across the three seasons, but relatively descriptive nonetheless. Take both my word for it and Matt's, this is definitely worth the watch, and likely a rewatch. In the meantime, let's travel to a time and place that's filled with the facts behind the Dark series, and if the show is any indication of what that would be like, I guarantee you things will be fucked up when we get there. Let's kick things off with a look at the main cast across the various timelines and iterations of the characters. The casting for this series is fan-fucking-tastic, and actually one of the few reasons that I was able to follow some of the story arcs. I mean, it is as if they straight up found the same actor in three different stages of their lives, so kudos to Simone Bayer for doing a phenomenal job filling those roles. First up, we have Jonas Convald, who was played by three different actors. They nailed the character's eyes, nose, posture, and mannerisms. Young Jonas is played by Louis Hoffman, while the middle-aged Jonas is played by Andreas Pieschmann, while Dietrich Hollanderbalmer plays Adam. Then we have Martha Nielsen. Martha was mostly played by Lisa Vicari, but her older versions were introduced in the final season as characters in the alternate universe. They were played in order by Nina Kronjäger and Barbara Nusse. Their casting was almost perfect by the similar bone structure, nose, and ruffled brown hair. Then we have Alexander Tiedemann. The casting is tremendous as they got the eyebrows, eyes, and mouth to match perfectly. Uh, Alexander is played by Peter Benedict and Bela Gaber-Lentz. We have then Ulrich Nielsen, who is a multifaceted character whose casting has been done spot on with the nose, eyes, and square jawline being matched up throughout the ages. Ulrich was played by Oliver Masucci, Winfried Glatzader, and Ludger Bolkelmann. Then we have Bartos Tiedemann. The character of Bartos, played by Paul Lux and Roman Nietzsche, matched the hair, jawline, and even the light cut on his eyebrows, which is a rare thing to have across multiple actors. Another example of that perfect casting, the character of Noah was iconic and each actor delivered his eerie presence perfectly with the body language and delivery of lines throughout the show. Noah was played by Mark Voschka and Max Schimmelfennig. And look, folks, uh, these are very German names and uh, despite the opening to this episode, I do not speak German, so my apologies for butchering these names most likely. Next character we have up is Katarina Nielsen. The casting was impeccable with Katarina, as they both share a stark similarity with similar eyes, nose, and mouth. Uh, Katarina is played by Jordis Trebel and Nella Trebs. Then we have Claudia Tiedemann. Claudia was perfect as the eyes fit, the line above the mouth, and long face plus the matching hair structure made us ponder whether the actresses were actually related. Uh, they're played by Lisa Kruser, Yulika Jenkins, and Gwendolyn Goebel. Last but not least, we have Helga Doppler. Helga's character was vital and connected the dots throughout the show. The long face equaled with the long nose and ears perfected showing the range of the ages that Helga played by Tom Phillip, Peter Schneider, and Herman Beyer. Now, all of the aforementioned characters are the main cast and key players involved throughout the entirety of the story, but that's not to say that there aren't more players involved. In order to really get into all of that, I suggest you look into the many iterations of timeline and family trees and relationships that unfold across time and dimensions. But for now, let's shift gears into some of the facts behind the development of the show itself. Dark is a German science fiction thriller television series co-created by Baran Bo Odar and Jante Friese. It ran for three seasons from 2017 to 2020. Netflix released its first German-language original, pitching it as a darker, more complex, and more German version of Stranger Things, so it's no surprise that the show won over German viewers. Research shows that almost 6 million German accounts streamed at least one episode of Dark by the time the third season ended. Since the release of Dark, other German shows have excelled on the platform, most notably Unorthodox and How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. These shows have performed phenomenally well inside and outside of Germany and coincides with the rise in popularity in all non-English language content. The series takes place in an imaginary place called Winden, 
which takes its name from Winden im Elstel, surrounded by Black Forest, which is also the inspiration of Grim Tales. The town where the series was shot is called Emending in Germany, which is not far from Berlin. Speaking of things being fictional, the cave is not real. I repeat, the cave is not real. Reportedly, there are no rock formations like what we see in the show in all of Berlin. So what you see is a mix of CGI and a set built in a forest between Tremsdorf and Sarmund in Brandenburg, south of Berlin. However, some portions of it were shot at the Unicorn Cave in the Hartz region. The forests are a recurring motif in Baron Boodar's series, and there's a reason. The director took the vibe and built it from there. Quote, the soil here is very dry, so you get a lot of coniferous, long, straight lines. They feel for me very creepy, like a fairy tale forest. I love those long, straight lines. They're like jail bars, almost. Visually, it's very interesting. End quote. Everything was shot chronologically, at least in the first two seasons. Odar might have made a shuffle between 2019, 1986, and 1953, not to mention other timelines, but the filming jumped to the next setting only after the first was wrapped. He's quoted as saying, We shot everything in the woods, then everything in the school. We then had a weekend in between to redress the school from the present time to the 1980s. We also had another timeline in the 50s, so we had to deal with that. But we stayed in one location and redressed it as the timelines went on. Now, due to the complex nature of the show, many viewers were left with questions about how characters related to one another. Almost everyone in the town of Winden is connected somehow through past, present, and future, or otherwise. In an attempt to give people a better understanding, superfans took to fandom.com. Some of them even developed their own dark family trees showing how the characters from the four main families are connected. With that in mind, you can find a complete family tree broken down per season on both the Facebook page and Instagram post for this episode. Not that having those timelines and family trees makes understanding things any easier, really. If you're a fan of the Dark series, you'll be pleased to hear that the producers worked with Netflix again on a new mind-bending series, which was released in February of 2021. Tribes of Europa has been described as a dystopian sci-fi thriller. Set in 2074, the plot revolves around three siblings set out to change the fate of Europe after a global catastrophe causes Europe to fracture into dystopian, warring tribal microstates who vie for dominance over the other states. Pretty sure we're not going to have to wait until 2074 for that to go down, but for now we are at least waiting on a second season of that series. Up next we have an interview with the very awesome Matt Franco. We met up to discuss the Dark series before the Tap That Comedy Showcase at Growler's Taproom on 82nd, which by the way is an awesome oasis of beer, comedy, good times, Star Trek trivia, the Joes, and a home to overall awesomeness and popcorn. Just in case the podcast breaks out, I got the, the trusty car mic. Okay, so before we, we start, um, yeah. I do want to go over the timeline just a little bit. Yeah. So, it's you know it starts with Gustav, who is the oldest of the townhouse, who loses his wife and, and wants to develop time travel. Right, yes. And then he talks Leopold into it, and he gets obsessed with it, and that's the blind guy in the future who old, the older Yana Stranger is working with mm. that you see in the in season three and season two, the old guy that's like has the two blind eyes. Right. Um, that's who, it, that's a townhouse. Okay. Who is working with Jonas to build the time machine in the in the past, so, in, in 1888. Okay, so then let me ask you this. Is the origin truly then not with Gustav, who lost no. his wife? So it is with... The origin is with, with the townhouse, Yeah. but what they call the origin is the is the unknown the man did you watch any of season three i watched the first two episodes okay did you see the the people with the scar on their lip the three of them yeah yes but i but it didn't i didn't really get too deep into that so do you want me to tell you that's a big spoiler do you want me to are we going to talk about that we're going to talk about that's the origin that's a pretty big yeah we're talking we're talking about all of it yeah so that's jonas and martha's kid Right, that that okay, I did. I, did that. I read about okay, that. Okay. Yes, yeah, no, I know so about that part. So they have that yeah. because in the when when Jonas goes into the into the alternate timeline, instead of going, he goes there on the same day he's supposed to go back in time to see Mickle in the past. Right. In the first episode or okay. second episode, but instead he's in the alternate universe and Mickle doesn't go to the past. So now he's just in the alternate universe. He actually goes and he sleeps with 
Martha. And that's the scene that they, they keep flashing back with, with them both naked. Bangs Martha. Um, yes, the yeah. alternate Martha. They have sex in the alternate timeline. Right. And that's the origin. That's when they make the origin in the alternate timeline. So the baby is a product of the loophole, which is the reason why he is the called the origin. <clears throat> God, aren't babies the worst? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Adam's goal is to kill the origin, which he later finds out is the unknown and is their child. Martha, Eve, her goal is to save, to keep the loophole, to keep her child alive. The whole Martha, Eve part was a little yeah. bit of a stretch for me. Because she didn't die in right. the alternate universe. Right. So, yeah. so with that, that okay, so th thank you for confirming that, because yes. that's what I wanted to, uh, that was one of the questions that I did have. Because there's a lot going on with what it is that we're talking about, yeah. which, is, which is dark. Yes. Uh, we're talking about dark, and the voice other than my own is Matt Franco. But before before we get started, before we get into the timeline anymore, before I ask you any questions, much like the movies, I studied high. I, I'm about, <laughs> you want to take the test high? I have this spliff right here. Absolutely. That's the only okay. way we're making it through. Well, so. We're, so hopefully we'll get high scores. There you go. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Hmm. Thank you, Oregon, for your sweet, sweet legal weed. One of the main, that was one of the other main questions that I had, which was like, uh, you know, what time travel rules does Dark actually abide by? Is it more like Back to the Future, where events have to happen or in order for them to like, you know, transpire over and over again, but like also you're able to influence it to the degree of collapsing other potentials into a new timeline because there are three universes that ultimately converge in the end if i've if i've read that correctly yeah the, the three universes come in at the at well the third one comes in at the very end but there are two alternate universes that you find out into going into season three yeah, they, they, it is similar to like a back back to the future timeline as far as like you can't change what has already happened. Well, in fact, without it, ending the origin. In, in certain instances, uh, I'm gonna say Jonas. You say I say Jonas. Okay, it? he watched it in the German. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it in the English dub, so I got Jonas. In fact, Jonas purposefully goes and does certain acts in order to make sure that, and, and so does Claudia. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah they, they, they're both, I would say, the most active other, other than Martha. In the alternate timeline. In, in the alternate timeline in ensuring that certain events do transpire. Absolutely. I forget who it is at the end. I know that, that Jonas is involved, but like where Tanhouse, they influence his family before they go off the bridge or whatever. Ah, uh, that's the one thing I didn't brush up on, but they... Yeah, they do. The Jonas Basically, is, they don't give him a reason to have to create the time machine in the first place. Yeah, they give him a reason not to create it. It's when the three universes converge. Yeah. And they're in the cave at the right time when those three converge, and they just end up being transported to, the, to, yeah, to, that, the, it, to that incident. Yes. And then they, like, stop them or warn them that the bridge is out, and they don't go off the That's bridge right, and drown. That's right, because they save the, the people from... Yeah from dying in the first place right. right yeah no it's i mean it's dude there's so much going on it's it's absolutely it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous yeah it's insane so, to cover it on a podcast is, yeah. is incredibly difficult to even talk about it for an hour is right. well yeah i mean yeah it just the facts behind it alone yeah you know I've, I've already uncovered so much i mean it was one of the first german or if not the first german primary language netflix oh wow i didn't know adaptation that. yeah before we get too deep into it, and much like the storyline of Dark, which goes back and forth from different timelines and all sorts of craziness, uh, let me ask you, Matt, what's your Instagram? Uh, my Instagram is uh, Murph Jones Comedy. M U R M U R F M U R F M U R F Jones Comedy. Yeah, that that comes from a my an acronym of my middle initials, M M R F. Okay. And then I made put the U in there to make it a word. My my like hometown friends call me that and I tried to go by that on stage a few times but it just was too complicated so I just stuck with my original name okay you can check that out as well as Unlimited IPAs yeah I host an open mic at Unlimited IPA on Foster it's right before Studio One on Sundays at 7 to 9 um, it's a little bottle shop you can get beer to go and have a free drink for comics oh I didn't realize that well I, I, I realized that I got a free drink which was awesome yeah but and the beer in the fridge, you can drink it there, and you can also take it to go. Oh, nice. Okay. 
it's kind of was my whole idea with the places I was looking at was bottle shops because for that idea I wanted to have okay. craft beers that you can get to leave or, or drink on the spot. Nice. Not just what's on tap, which most places have. Right, like where we're at, which is Growler's Tap Room. Yeah. On 82nd, we're here before the uh, Saturday showcase. Is it called anything? The my my open mic? No, I, no, this? The, this here. What is this one? Because I know it's, it's the tap that showcase. Right? It is. It is tap that. Okay, because it's the tap that mic on Wednesdays yeah, too. Okay, I believe so, so yes, yeah. We're Same. just tapping it all week long here at Growlers, and then there's the mic hosted afterwards by Ben Levy. Yes, I'll which, be open which, mic afterwards. Yeah, I'll be sticking around for. Me too. Nice, cool. Well, we're gonna, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it should be. I, I this is the first time that I've been here on a Saturday for a mic. So, I was here last week actually. Okay. How, how the did you the like? showcase was great. Yeah, the showcase was amazing. Every comic did well. The host did a great job. Daniel Daniel Porter hosted last week. I think they do. I think they alternate hosts some weeks. I'm not sure how they do that, but isn't jo- Joe John Sanchez the third is on this one? Yeah, Joe John's yeah. on this one. He's so funny. He is very funny. I don't know where he came from. Me neither. He I just... don't know if he. I think I heard he did improv. I'm not sure if he's from I could Portland see that or him. not. But yeah, I could, I could see, see improv in his I, life. I absolutely yeah, could. he's very funny. Sorry, I've been camping on this joint. That's good. That's so, all good. as I pass you this, speaking of stand-up comedy, how did how did you get started in this wild, um, wild so, stuff? <laughs> so, I started comedy in 2016, but I've wanted to do comedy since I was 14 Okay. in middle school. Um, it's actually how I made friends. Uh, I only had, like, three friends in middle school, and then I just kind of wanted to, like, meet people, and I, you know, being a kid, you, like, you kind of see yourself like, I'm a loser, Wait, you had cool three? Kid. you had three friends in middle school? I actually had two, I had three friends, Damn, only dude. one of them I liked. Pretty popular. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being a kid and telling my friends, like, like, dude, I have, like, 400 boys that are friends, and, like, 400 girls that are friends, and just thinking that was cool, as, <laughs> like, it was a complete lie, obviously, I'm, yeah. like, eight years old, but anyways, going to middle school... I made jokes to make friends, okay. and so I was like friends with the popular kids, but I was used just to make a joke, and so I was writing jokes to be around them, essentially. So you were writing in middle school yeah. just to survive socially? Just to survive socially, okay. yeah. And then I, I ended up telling a joke that was uh, inappropriate, and I realized in the moment that I can get in trouble for it, essentially, and luckily no one no one was offended or, or told the principal like I, I've been told on anyways uh, I've been told on before and from a joke and got suspended so I thought that was gonna happen uh, one of the kids actually told me you, you should be a comedian after that joke yeah after that joke that okay. I thought was so inappropriate yeah. that I was gonna get like expelled or suspended or something <clears throat> do you remember the joke I don't remember the joke I remember it had something to do with like SCDs okay. and I was like 14 and then there was like a big like the dare program I just went through and uh, I, was was a dare, I was a dare kid too. Did not take. Did not take. No, it did no. not. <laughs> we are we are currently consuming marijuana, but that's okay because it's legal for now. Uh, but yeah, I started in 2016 in Fresno. Fre- you're, but you're from Merced County. Uh, it's Fresno County. Okay. Uh, Fresno is like the Portland in Clovis would be like uh, Beaverton. Got it. It's like the, the suburbs outside of like the sketchy downtown area, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. I, I got a speeding ticket outside of Fresno. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I paid it. So yeah, you don't got to pay out of states. That's a rule. Yeah, is that is that <laughs> the that's rule? That's a rule. Okay. Oh, <laughs> they got to come to your house in Serbia. And they're not gotcha. Well, if you're listening, Fresno, <laughs> I don't got to pay. So, what was your first exposure to sci-fi, Matt? To sci-fi, I would say uh, does does Power Rangers count? Fuck yeah! All right, that's my that's my first yeah. exposure. Of course, it counts. Uh, after that, as far as movies, that's a great one. Star Wars. But yeah, Power Rangers, the first series, was my obsession as a child. Okay, yeah, I, I fucked with I fucked with Power Power Rangers pretty heavy. Have you ever gone back and watched the original? The original, no. It's incredibly corny. I, I've watched the movie where the opener where they're rollerblading. Is it the live action one or is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I, that's the one that I, <laughs> I most I've recently watched. I think watched. I watched that as well, and I was not impressed. Did you ever watch the fan made movie? No. You should you it's like 10 minutes long. Okay. It is a million times better than the movie. I don't know how much money they put into that movie, but I've, that I've seen some movie, great fan-made shit. They make an adult version of Power Rangers as a fan-made movie. Like there's oh, blood solid. and it's it's really good. It's amazing. You you should go and watch that. Anybody listening should go and watch the fan-made Power Rangers video. Actually just yeah, remember we, that. It's I mean, we may we may have to revisit for Power Rangers. I would love to revisit for Power Rangers. I actually okay. No, right. <laughs> well, season two. Well, season two, science factual, 
we're going to work Power Rangers in there with Matt Franco, but we are here to talk about Dark, so what was your first exposure to it? Because I saw it come up in my Netflix, like, suggested for you, like, at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, it got popular, or some, it popular as it was going to get it being a foreign show at the time, because foreign shows are now popular. At the time, it wasn't as popular sure. years ago, um, at, least, at least mainstream. Um, it came out, I think, around Ozark season one. They kind of, like, had yeah. like, a little bit of a competition as far as popularity. Ozarks took off, but... Um, okay. I watched the first few episodes and was kind of confused. I watched the English dub, and I was... I, I thought my audio was off with the... I don't know how you watch the English dub. I know I see this guy eating cereal or something outside. No, it's it's Joe. <laughs> it's Joe? Oh, it's he's, the bartender? I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that he's <laughs> next door, so he just went home and got a bowl of cereal. <laughs> Um, All right. But, yeah, no, I watched the first couple episodes, and it was kind of... I didn't understand it, so I didn't really keep watching. And then eventually I looked up and heard it was very good. So I went and I watched it, and I made all my friends watch it. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you made me watch it for most of it, and I'm definitely going to go back and watch the rest. This is one of those rare times where I haven't watched all of you. it. Dude, there's 26 hours of content. And it's not just that, but it's not, like, digestible... You have to pay it's, attention you have every to pay minute. Full, yeah, 100% focus. You should be taking notes if you really want to come out understanding it. Dude, that's that's why I was glad. Like when I texted you earlier, I was like, "Is this what's going on?" You were like, "Yeah, that's what's going on." I was yeah. like, "Stoked." Yeah, <laughs> great. I'm, gl I'm glad that I get it at least. You know, because it's it's very involved. It's. I, I mean, some of the images that I've seen, like I want to be nerdy enough about it. So that when I see inconsistencies in some of these diagrams that people have made regarding the timelines yeah. and stuff like that, I'd be like, oh, uh, <laughs> you messed something up. Oh, hold on now. Yeah. Yeah, then, no, because it's super, and, and there are, it evolves from season to season. Yes. So you have to think only in certain terms of relevant data when considering certain seasons, but also there are callbacks to events that transpire across seasons. Absolutely. Ugh. Yeah, it's a lot to digest. Um, yeah. There's actually, if you go to the dark website, I don't know if it's still up, but when I don't know if I want to go on the dark web it, site. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, they actually made their their. I don't know if it's the homepage or if you have to go to it, but I believe the homepage is just the timeline, like the official timeline mm. from the creators. Okay. Um, they, well, they, then, well, that's good. They released that during season three for you to look at it while. Oh, watching. good. Okay. Oh, while watching. Yeah, that was. Dude, okay, so I feel like we were talking about video games earlier. When you got a game back in the day, you had a huge book, a game guide, you know, for a game for, strategy guide. Yeah, a game strategy guide for for children who don't download their games purely for memes. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we used to wait by the mailbox for a game strategy guide, or it just came as part of a set, like Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time. They those come to mind. But at any rate, I feel like. You know, if you were to... Let's say they were to create a dark box set. Oh, yeah. You would need, like, a quote-unquote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy-style booklet just to be like, okay, yeah, this is what's going on. Now I want a dark book set, or yeah. uh, a collector set. You know, right. they, they can give you a map of the tunnel yes. where it all goes down, and yes. they can give you a timeline map. Yes. Um, that would that'd be amazing. And they can that. even expand on it a little bit, because as we know, that you know, even after you put out something that's super intensive and does wrap up pretty well, mm -hmm. it, you could go back and be like, oh, well, this could happen too, theoretically. You know, and, and having and having that supportive uh, writing, it, it's the difference between watching Watchmen and reading Watchmen. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. the, the story no. is nearly identical, and I think the movie did a great job at taking the comic or graphic novel and adapting it for the screen. But when you read the novel, there's the whole pirate comic book side story. There are dossiers. There's entries from Rorschach's journal that don't get elaborated on while he's narrating in the movie so like there's just a whole bunch of shit that's going on that I feel like Dark could get a treatment for no, absolutely they could, if they even did a novel version I'd be, yeah if they did be, a graphic novel so version happy. and it's have you ever really heard of a show getting a graphic novel treatment no but I would not like this is a perfect opportunity because I agree the story I think it would be great I would love to see it I, as I a, would it, 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 you know written and, and penned I, I, yeah. I would love that. The, I think it was created by two people. I, I could be completely wrong with that, but it, the, they clearly, it's one of the few cases now, I feel like nowadays, where 
you can tell when you finish watching season three that they had the idea from the get-go. Like, they, they had the whole story mapped out. They didn't do season one and think, oh, what are we going to do next? It was like, sure. it didn't we got feel like lost. for season two. No, yeah. They, yeah. they, they knew they what were they were in fact doing. lost, yeah. No, they, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was it was a very well-rounded story. You know, there were at times where I was like, oh, is this necessary? And then it comes back in a major way, and you're like, yes. oh, yeah, that is kind of necessary for <clears throat> character reveals. Uh, like, you know, uh, Jonas yeah. being Adam... Um, you know, or Mikael being Jonas's father. Yeah, and having to change yeah. his name to Michael. And right, it's it. You know, yeah, and he ends up. Uh, I think he's adopted by the nurse. Yeah, Mikkel, and then becomes Jonas's father. Just like uh, we have other other situations where um, even Katharina uh, meets her mom in the past, and then based on that interaction, she then goes home and beats a younger version of Katarina. Yeah, like it's it, it's it, it's really heady in that respect, and like. Anything that has to do with time travel is always going to be kind of <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's in, a head trip. No, it's absolutely a head trip. I, the one I was thinking of was Bartosz being Noah's dad. That's oh, the one right. I was thinking yeah, of, which yeah. is a huge plot twist. That yeah, major, getting, major, getting revealed. And then Noah ends up killing his own dad in the in the past, which is another big big head trip for you. How, do you say Helge? Or Helge? I see Helge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Helge is another one that's like one of the huge roles right. in in the storyline, and it ends up being a huge problem for Ulrich as well, who never catches a break. I, he 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 was a cheater. He did a lot of bad things, but he never caught a break this whole series. So stepping into this territory, who's your favorite character? My favorite character is is gonna have to be Jonas. It's yeah. it's it's un, undeniable. It's uh, it's about it's, him. It's it's entirely about him. The whole story is wrapped around him. It's yeah. it's. One of those stories where it's like the main character is so good, it's executed so well between three different actors. Yeah, be playing the same person. Uh, Martha yeah, I, is another one of my favorites. That I feel like season three, she she really uh, becomes her own character. Who who is your least favorite character? My least favorite character is probably Hannah. Yeah, is probably uh, Jonas's mom. Sure, just because she she's seems not, to... she's not a good person. Really, no. All she really does is have children with other people. And sleep with other people's kids. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically what's going on in that arc, yeah. She yeah. even goes to, uh, back and has Silva, which ends up being right. Bartosz's his, uh, wife. Right. Which is another just like... She she doesn't only sleep with Katharina's uh, son and husband... Uh, she goes back and sleeps with with Helga. And there's a lot of there's a lot of murder and like attempted murder. I mean, the series itself is dark. Do, do you identify with any of the characters per se? Um. Or like their like their struggles necessarily because they are they are all from a small German town. So. I feel like we can all identify with Ulrich to be honest, except for the bad decisions. I mean, everyone makes bad decisions, but like the kidnapping. And yeah, the, like he. Everything he did was just trying to get his kid back, and he ended up being imprisoned for his entire life in the past. It, it's it, and and he almost got out, and then he doesn't get out yeah. like multiple times. Yeah, that, yeah, that is a little bit of a. It is a little sad. Yeah, and then we come to find out he doesn't even exist. I can't remember. I should right. have wrote down his parents, but uh, we we come to find out that he's not even a. He's also a product of the loophole. Right. Yeah, and I think that the fact that he's trapped in the past and that he doesn't have the means to. Yeah travel back and forth or that his story doesn't necessarily involve that despite his many attempts to do so uh is a, is ultimately spe it speaks to his role in the time loop as like a byproduct of like something that needed to be i don't want to say discarded because he plays a valuable role ultimately no you're right though he he He's someone that almost, like, in a way needed to be put away so that way he couldn't affect the ultimate timeline of what needed to happen. Sure. I mean, he, what he was trying to do... Which is what he was trying to do the prevented whole Jonas from being born, essentially. He didn't know that, but... Sure. He couldn't do that. That's, like... And, no, yeah, that, that goes back to, like, Jonas trying to eventually kill himself, and he and Noah saves him, and he right. discovers that he can't die yeah. uh, because he has to become Adam. Ulrich can't save... Right. Mikkel because he has to become Michael. Very true, and I, so Michael is jo Jonas's biological father. Yes. So yeah, it, he's one of those characters that 
cannot die for the timeline yeah, and, and so and and character's value is it, to the timeline is another whether it's a requirement to die or a requirement to stay alive is another point of contention across many characters and many timelines throughout the course of the story so it is hard to kind of keep track of at the end of the day yes uh that's that's for sure but i mean it's a very compelling story yeah, it's, yeah, like I, I was. It's very engaging. You know, like I said, I, w- I want to revisit it, and I would love to see another treatment for it. Um, what's your favorite season? Like, I mean, and, and I know that's hard to ask because really it, it should be three because of the way yeah. that it wraps it up. But I, I kind of really like season two. Season I mean, two is incredible. Yeah, and, and also the the filmography and just like yeah. the way that scenes are established it really evolves over the course of the seasons and i think a it has to do with the nature of the you know content but it also has to do with the ability to visually accompany the story that's like that's happening like the singularity yeah or or the, the god particle if you will yeah and, and just like you know the nuclear power plant as a scene or or like a setting rather it's it's just a super interesting story and visually compelling story. Like it doesn't rely on a monster. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, like, that's like good. there that's is a good, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's all about temporal mechanics and it relies on being able to convey that theory in a meaningful way and I think it does that really well. I'm glad that you said what you just said though. The monster point, I didn't ever actually think about that. It's it's one of those few stories that doesn't have a really a, a villain. Like there there are villains. There are no that, aliens. There's no monsters. Yeah. There's no mutations. There's no special powers. It's just fucking with time travel. Yeah, and it's up to the viewer's perspective to see who they think is the person in the wrong. Sure. Because everyone is literally just is trying to save their ass, and there is an apocalypse. Yeah, there is an apocalypse that they yeah. have to. But it's like, but it's not the main setting. It's not like the no. Walking Dead where there's been a zombie apocalypse or no. like. You know, Mad Max or, or something. You know what I mean? Like it's it, one of the timelines we see the least of. Yeah, for it being the end all. Yeah, it is one of the timelines that we do see the least of. But I, I think that's purposeful because it's more like a, a foreboding potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, almost like a loophole necessity, where like I, I mean that that is the counterpoint to the origin is yeah. the apocalypse. Like all things lead to it. So visiting it a bunch of times is like beating a dead horse. It's like, okay, we know that if we fuck whatever it is up that needs to transpire to get out of the loophole, which I guess was for certain characters who couldn't die for the timeline's sake, yes. but ha- but were able to go transdimensionally into the timeline with Tanhouse's own de- origin desire to create his time machine, it's it, it did I, I, as I go back over it because I'm pretty sure that what I said was fairly accurate. Yeah, but it also sounds like I'm a crazy person trying to describe my own like inner headspace <laughs> in a fucking psych ward somewhere. You know what I you mean? You sound like Ulrich. You sound like yeah. the older Ulrich. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Trying, to, trying to find his child. No, it's incredibly. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many times I've probably said it already, but it's so difficult to talk about it. I don't think I am even smart enough to understand everything fully without looking at something well like, I'm, a, I'm a multi so I'm a, many pieces i'm a repeater yeah. i have to watch things multiple times so like i will definitely watch this and it we'll, took my we'll friends see. re-watching it to to actually understand it it took yeah. me looking it up and watching youtube videos explaining not that i needed it to be explained because they do a very well a very good job of explaining it it's just there's so many moving pieces so many different timelines and people related to each other and that you have to really have something to go off of to to fully understand everything i I like that the ability to time travel isn't like arbitrary where it's like oh here's this device and we just fucking time travel and do whatever the fuck we want some people are stuck in different times some people are stuck in different you know alternate dimensions and the outcomes in those dimensions are varied it's it's a it's a very cool story and i look forward to revisiting so thanks for choosing something so fucking complicated i appreciate that (laughs) i tried Um, to warn you yeah i really did it's it's true you did you gave me many forewarnings and plenty of time to watch it um so let me ask you this speaking of the future where can we hear you perform next if you go to Laugh PDX, I do most of the open mics, um, and I host the open mic on Sunday at Unlimited IPA every week, so you can catch me there. Solid. Um, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I blew, yeah. I blew up a condom. It's building. I blew up a condom balloon that you gave me. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting one. That that was uh, that was balls to the wall. Just comics having fun. Yeah, I went in the bathroom <laughs> and I came out with a condom balloon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, I, yeah, I'll definitely be hitting that more as you know, leading into Studio One, which is another great. Mic. Oh, I love that mic. The, right? we, the weekly comedy festival. Yeah, that that I think that mic will will is going to grow a lot. Yeah, uh, they have a beautiful room. Uh, they're beautiful people that run it. And Comedy um, Prom was fucking awesome. Comedy Prom was a hit. Yeah. It was a smash hit. It, so. it sure was. Well, hey, Matt, thanks for, for hanging out, and let's go to this Tap That Showcase and drink more beer. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks again, Matt, for suggesting we tackle Dark. It's been hovering around my watch list for some time, and I'm glad that I got the chance to watch it all in binge mode, because A, you kind of have to in order to keep all the fuckery fresh in your head, and B, I just like binge-watching stuff. Who can wait around anymore for a week at a time to watch something like it's cable? This week's water cooler fact is a construct, much like the topic at hand. Time travel. What is it? When is it? Can we actually travel through time, or are we stuck marching along this linear path toward our eventual demise? These are questions that have been pondered by minds far superior to my own throughout the ages, but seriously, can we freaking time travel? Yes, in theory. There are four generally accepted forms of theoretical time travel. Up first, we have time travel via speed, and the most plausible. This is the easiest and most practical way to time travel into the far future, at least. Just go really fast. According to Einstein's theory of special relativity, when you travel at speeds approaching the speed of light, time slows down for you relative to the outside world. This is not just conjecture or a thought experiment, it's been measured. Using twin atomic clocks, one flown in a jet aircraft and the other stationary on the Earth, physicists have shown that a flying clock ticks slower because of its speed. In the case of the aircraft, the effect is minuscule, but if you were in a spaceship traveling at 90% the speed of light, you'd experience time passing about 2.6 times slower than it was back on Earth. And the closer you get to the speed of light, the more extreme the time travel. The highest speeds achieved through any human technology are probably the protons whizzing around the Large Hadron Collider at 99.9999991% of the speed of light. Using special relativity, we can calculate that one second for the proton is equivalent to 27,777,778 seconds, or about 11 months for us. Amazingly, particle physics has to take this time dilation into account when they are dealing with particles that decay. In the lab, muon particles typically decay in 2.2 microseconds, but fast-moving muons, such as those created when cosmic rays strike the upper atmosphere, take 10 times as long to disintegrate. Now, the next method of time travel is also inspired by Einstein and has to do with time travel via gravity. Now, according to his theory of general relativity, the stronger the gravity you feel, the slower the time moves. As you get closer to the center of the Earth, for example, the strength of gravity increases. Time runs slower for your feet than at your head. Again, this effect has been measured. In 2010, physicists at the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, placed two atomic clocks on shelves, one 33 centimeters above the other, and measured the difference in their rate of ticking. The lower one ticked slower because it feels a slightly stronger gravity. Talk about an accurate measurement. To travel to the far future, all we need is a region of extremely strong gravity, such as a black hole. The closer you get to the event horizon, the slower time moves, but it's risky business. Cross the boundary and you can never escape. And anyway, the effect is not that strong, so it's probably not worth the trip. Assuming you had the technology to travel the vast distances to reach a black hole, the nearest is about 3,000 light years away, the time dilation through traveling would be far greater than any time dilation through orbiting the black hole itself. The most mind-blowing thing, perhaps, is that GPS systems have to account for time dilation effects due to both the speed of the satellite and the gravity that they feel in order to work. Without these corrections, your phone's GPS capability just wouldn't be able to pinpoint your location on Earth to with even a few kilometers. 
Now, our third option is time travel via suspended animation, which really is just a linear excuse for passage of time. But another way to time travel to the future may be to slow your perception of time by slowing down or stopping your bodily processes and then restarting them later. Bacterial spores can live for millions of years in a state of suspended animation until the right conditions of temperature, moisture, and food kickstart their metabolisms again. Some mammals, such as bears and squirrels, can slow down their metabolism during hibernation, dramatically reducing their cells' requirement for food and oxygen. But could humans ever do the same? Though completely stopping your metabolism is probably far beyond our current technology, some scientists are working towards achieving inducing a short-term hibernation state lasting at least a few hours. In 2005, American scientists demonstrated a way to slow the metabolism of mice, which do not hibernate, by exposing them to minute doses of hydrogen sulfide, which binds to the same cell receptors as oxygen. The core body temperature of the mice dropped to 13 degrees centigrade and metabolism decreased tenfold. After six hours, the mice could be reanimated without ill effects. Unfortunately, similar experiments on sheep and pigs were not as successful, suggesting the method might not work for larger animals. Another method, which induces a hypothermic hibernation by replacing the blood with a cold saline solution, has worked on pigs and is currently undergoing human clinical trials in Pittsburgh. Last but certainly not least, we have time travel via wormholes. General relativity also allows for the possibility for shortcuts through space-time known as wormholes, which might be able to bridge distances of a billion light-years or more or different points in time. Many physicists, including Stephen Hawking, believe wormholes are constantly popping in and out of existence at the quantum scale far smaller than atoms. The trick would be to capture one and inflate it to human scales, a feat that would require a huge amount of energy, but which might just be possible anyway in theory. Attempts to prove this either way have failed, ultimately because of the incompatibility between general relativity and quantum mechanics. Here's what it all boils down to. Now, the simplest answer is that time travel cannot be possible because if it was, we would already be doing it. One can argue that it's forbidden by the laws of physics, like the second law of thermodynamics or relativity. There are also technical challenges. It might be possible, but would involve vast amounts of energy that we simply cannot produce or harness. There's also the matter of time travel paradoxes. We can hypothetically resolve these if free will is an illusion, if many worlds exist, or if the past can only be witnessed but not experienced. Perhaps time travel is impossible simply because time must flow in a linear manner and we have no control over it. Or perhaps time is an illusion and time travel is irrelevant. Alright you nerds, did you get all that? Because I just regurgitated that with the confidence of someone who knows just what the hell they're talking about. Which I kinda do? For more on temporal mechanics and theoretical physics, I suggest reading from Michio Kaku and Steven Weinberg, who take incredibly complex topics and convey them in unique and understandable ways. Speaking of whom, before we move on, how about we hear a very succinct explanation of temporal mechanics and its history from astrophysicist Michio Kaku. Let's start with Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton believed that time was like an arrow. Once you fired it, it went in a straight direction, one second on the Earth was one second on Mars, was one second on Jupiter. It never reversed directions. Along comes Einstein, who says, not so fast, not so fast. Time is like a river, old man river, that meanders around stars, speeds up, and slows down. The new wrinkle in all this, which is causing all the excitement and the dismay of philosophers, is that this river of time can fork into two rivers. Or perhaps the river of time can have whirlpools and time can go in on itself. In that case, time travel is something you have to take very seriously because Einstein's equations do allow for time travel. And they're blueprints, <laughs> blueprints for different kinds of, of time travel designs that are compatible with Einstein's theory. For example, gigantic spinning cylinders. You go around the cylinder and you come back before you left colliding cosmic strings. You wind around these cosmic strings and you come back before you left. And the key element is that in Einstein's theory, it, it allows this under certain solutions? That's, That's right. right. Time, Time and space are like a fabric, fabric. Uh, like rubber, like a trampoline net. However, if you stretch the trampoline net so much, it can rip, perhaps. And perhaps you can turn this trampoline net into a pretzel. 
and allow yourself to go backwards in time. Now, of course, there's a catch. There's always a catch in these things. The energy, the gasoline necessary to do this is fabulous. Even an atomic bomb does not have enough energy to drive a time machine. For a time machine, you need the energy of an exploding star. How about all the logical paradoxes that one would come across in time travel, going back to the past, killing your grandmother, and all of those kinds of uh, issues? Or meeting your teenage mother when she's a teenager and she falls in love with you, so how can you be born if your teenage mother just fell in love with you? There are two ways to resolve these paradoxes. Uh, the first is self-consistency, that if you want to shoot your parents before you're born, there's something preventing you from pulling that trigger. Maybe there's a hidden law of physics that says you cannot create a time paradox. I don't believe that. Yeah, that seems uh, far out. That's far out. I believe that the river of time forks into two rivers. If you saw Back to the Future Part Two very carefully, Doc Brown, this Einstein figure, goes to the blackboard and draws a timeline from the 50s to the 80s. And then he draws a separate line that splits off from the main timeline. The river of time forks into two rivers. Is this uh, getting to the so-called many-world interpretation of quantum mechanics? Like, would that be...? That is the simplest way to resolve all these paradoxes. That never seemed very simple to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the simplest in the sense that you don't have to add any other assumptions uh, 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 other sure, than quantum sure, mechanics. Sure. So if you go backwards in time and save Abraham Lincoln from being assassinated in, in the Ford's theater, You've saved somebody else's Abraham Lincoln, mm -hmm. who's genetically equivalent to your Abraham Lincoln, but you've entered another universe. If you shoot your parents before you're born, you've shot somebody else's parents before you're born, who's genetically equivalent to your parents. So you can go backwards in time continually, monkey with your own past. Uh -huh. However, you're monkeying with, in some sense, a parallel past. Right. Now, Stephen Maybe Hawking... creating a, a, a parallel... Creating past, a whole a new, new, universe. new universe. That's right. Okay. And Stephen Hawking even said, there's got to be a laws of physics preventing this thing from mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Well, we've tried and tried and tried and failed. We cannot find any law of physics preventing you from going backwards in time. It seems to be consistent with the known laws of physics. The trick is, you have to have this energy on the scale of a star you'd have to be a very advanced civilization. So these tourists from the future are just not 100 years into the future. These tourists from the future would be perhaps millions of years in the future, the ability to control the output of a star. We physicists are hot rodders of physics. We push the equations until they break down. So Stephen Hawking assumed that they would break down. Well, we were shocked. They didn't break down. The laws of physics seem to be compatible with time machines. This is very unsettling because it means that perhaps, just perhaps, time travel is possible for advanced civilizations. Cannot be ruled out. I'd like to thank the sources for today's episode, which include Mashable.com, TheMovieCulture.com, Wikipedia, of course, because if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true, as well as TheConversation.com, Cosmos Magazine, and Space.com for the info pertaining to time travel. Next week, we stay in Germany, but go back in time. No, not the 30s and 40s, but rather the 1920s, which also wasn't so great given the economic devastation left over from World War I and that pesky Hitler what with his beer hall push in 23 and all. But the 20s did birth some great cinema from Germany, including the iconic sci-fi classic Metropolis. This silent film comes as a suggestion from the very funny Dennis Cruz of the same era, we met up at my father's place to chat about the revolutionary film over some breakfast foods before the weekly comedy open mic that takes place there on Friday evenings, hosted by the incomparable Michael J. Phelps. You can catch that episode airing live Tuesday, July 5th, 2022 from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. I am so heckin' excited for Shady Pines Festival, y'all. We are sold the fuck out, which is super rad, and we couldn't have done it without y'all. So major thanks to all you listeners out there and to Brian, Callie, and everyone else here at Shady Pines Radio for putting in the hard work that's required to have a groovy time out in the woods. You're listening to ShadyPinesRadio.com. Here's the lineup for Tuesdays. Starting at 8 a.m., Science Factual with Reese Hendrick. Emotional Weather Report with Jamie Stewart at 10 a.m. At 11 a.m., Beat Salad with Mason O'Brien. 
At noon, the Blue Hour with Blue Adams. At 2 p.m., the Prog Hour with Reagan Lindy. Your own private PDX with DJ Squiffy at 3 p.m. At 4 p.m., Cosmic Taco Beach Shack with Big Papa Warrior. No Dancing Please with L. Ron Hubbard at 5 p.m. At 6 p.m., Anything New with Shorty L. Toasty Tunes with Alex Toast at 7 p.m. At 8 p.m., Radio Seance with your psychic friends. At 9 p.m., Fresh Unoriginal with DJ Wineglass. And at 10 p.m., Turntable Talk with Chili and Bass. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Pines Radio. Hey, before we go, how's about some laughs from Matt Franco? Here he is warming up the crowd at a random comedy open mic, so enjoy. Next. Oh, I know who's next. He's very funny. Everybody, clap your hands right now for the hilarious Matt Franco. How's it going? I've had a few too many beers. Um, I don't drink liquor anymore. When I was a kid, I used to drink a lot of liquor, and I thought uh, Chasers was a brand. I used to drink it straight. I didn't know that you could use Coke or something, and I just I was drinking it out of my friend's dad's liquor closet. I was just drinking it straight. I only, I only drink beer now. That's, that's my thing. Um, anyways, moving on. <laughs> How we doing? How's everyone doing? Give it up for yourselves. Give it up for everyone paying attention. Give it up for yourselves. Uh, my mom says I should be a security guard. I think my body type says more loss prevention. <laughs> you don't look at my body and you don't think, uh, you know, a bank or a children's school. You think like more of like a Goodwill <laughs> or like a Ross. But that's more fit for my body type. Um, you guys, it, someone, someone's in here watched porn before. You've seen gangbangs. My body type in a gangbang is like a bench warmer. <laughs> like if someone breaks their dick or comes a little early, then I get to be the guy getting the sloppy hand job. You know, just the one guy's getting the, the, the good one, and then I'm just. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm just happy to stop passing out the waters. That, that's, uh, I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> we're living up here. Having a good time. Filling out the set. There we go. What else was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah, so me and my girlfriend, I have a girlfriend, uh, we got a vibrator together, and um, it's been a good time. And ever since then, I'm just like the third base coach. <laughs> like, I'm not really needed. I don't really do anything. But I'm real happy to be a part of the team. You know? <laughs> Take me out to the cum show. All right, that's too much, that's too much. <laughs> Yeah, I got moles in my nutsack. Uh, my mom calls moles angel kisses. I didn't know that that charm molesters into heaven. I didn't know that. Uh, that joke's called I was touched by an angel. My mom's favorite joke. Uh, has anybody in here, has they have um, uh, a shower with the dad experience? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any hands. Neither did I. Neither did I. Neither did I. I'm just thinking about if I had a son. If I had a son, you know, I'd have to do a couple things. I'd have to, I'd have to let him in the shower first, because I have a small dick. And I have to check the water, see if it's hot, and then I have to fluff it up. Because, uh, uh, you know, I don't want him to see me soft. And, if I, and when I fluff it up, I have to fluff it up. You know, pretty good because you know you don't want to fluff up too much though, because if it gets hard, then it becomes a crime. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming my dad has a small dick, because you know, like father, like son. If you don't want your son to think you have a small dick, then maybe you should, you know, take a shower with him. That's all I'm saying. Has anyone heard of Captain Crunch's uh, "Oops, All Berries"? Yeah. Yeah, we've heard of that. I think they set the bar, but I don't think they set it high enough. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna set it a little higher for you. 
I brought I brought some pictures. <laughs> uh, so uh, so first we got um, raisin bran. We got oops, all raisins. <laughs> Next we got a. Uh, Pop, uh, corn pops. Oops. All corn. <laughs> and lastly, my favorite, we got uh, tricks. Oops. It's just four kids. <laughs> it's horrible. They're in the bowl. They're having fun. All right. Thank you. <laughs>